talk a little bit about what the Lord asked me to share with you now? I have tried to get out of this message at every summit. I've, and God's made me do this message at every summit. I'm not happy about that. But I'm obedient. I'm looking for something that I wrote down. Oh, it was something I looked up. Here it is. Um, did any of you watch any of the videos from yet from any of the other summits? Some of you. So you, those of you that did, you know what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about distractions. I am kind of a easily distracted person by nature. Um, you know, remember the movie Up and the dogs, and they're all talking about what they're going to do. Yes, we will find him. We will track him down. Squirrel. <coughs> That's me. I read something wrong in prayer one day. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story, just part of it. <coughs> I read something wrong in prayer one day. I was reading out this <coughs> prayer. Listen to how hard they're laughing. It was hysterical. And at random, we will laugh about it again. But I read something wrong, and I knew how it sounded, and I'm trying not to laugh. So I don't look up. I just keep reading the prayer. I just keep going, and I'm trying to be fervent in praying my prayer. And I get, I mean, two sentences from the end, and I just bust out laughing. I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I said this. And I mean, I took us completely out of the spirit, out of prayer, any faith that was there gone. It was, uh, it was a classic cookie moment. <clears throat> I won't go into all of it. It got worse. <clears throat> that we all dreadedly relive on occasion, but <clears throat> I'm telling you, my nature is to be distracted. And um, distractions are something that everybody deals with. You know, whether you're easily distracted or not, distractions do come at us all the time. Everybody. And we have a choice of whether we're going to engage them or not. Now, sometimes distractions distractions can be really annoying, especially if you're really focused on something, you know, and you want to finish a task and things keep coming up to distract you from finish it, they can be annoying. And other times we intentionally engage the distraction because we do not want to do what we're doing, right? It's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go see a movie. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> I, that's one of my favorite things to do. And often it is a place of, I got to shut off I can't keep on this path or my brain will fry or, and that's okay, or it can be something of avoidance. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to go do something else. That's a distraction. So <clears throat> one of the things I thought about when thinking about distractions was my son. When he was a teenager, he worked on his testimony for a few years. And um, he worked really hard on it. <laughs> and um, one of his favorite things in his youth was weed. <laughs> he was a happy smoker and would try to hide it. 
But we knew, and you know, you're doing everything you know to address it and deal with it without shoving him out the door and say, get out, you're not gonna live like this in our house. And, and although when he was 17, we did send him up to a rehab and said, okay, we're done with this. But he would, uh, if we were gone somewhere and I came back, I went searching for e evidence if he did something in our house because I kept him constantly on check because I wasn't gonna allow it, right? Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay, different parenting style, I guess. But um, so I would search the house for evidence, and if I found something, I would bring it to him and say, So, thought we talked about this. You know, what's this doing here? Why, oh, so and so was over, and he had that. Yeah, no, I'm not buying it, Jack. Let's go through this again, you know, so we'd kind of uh, go through it again. Well, what he did was he developed this pattern of behavior that is pure addict behavior. Anybody that has been an addict or worked with addicts knows this behavior, and that is um, misdirection, or, um, you know, he would just start asking me questions about something. You know, hey, I heard this and this. Did you know that? Is that true? And me, squirrel, <laughs> would would immediately go really i didn't i didn't hear that what happened i'm totally caught off of the subject of han at dealing with what i found in his possessions and off on this world of whatever and so distracted he distracted me and i let him do it for years i would walk away going that little punk tricked me again I totally fell for that. <laughs> I did it over and over and then finally learned not to do that. It took a long time. I know, I'm sharp. But um, I'm great. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, it w he would just totally shift my focus off. And so anyway, what I've thought about in that process was this is so typical of the enemy in our lives is to get us to get off point or to get off purpose, he brings distractions, whether it's thoughts or people's voices, criticisms, whatever. He brings all these things at us to try to distract us. And often it comes with our own thought processes, questions we ask ourselves. What about this? What about that? Should I do that? Why did I do that? You know, you go through this whole process and you're not even realizing that you're letting the enemy take you off focus, take you off task, take you away from the things that God wants you to accomplish. And so then you get to this place where you've completely lost focus and you find yourself adrift. Anybody ever found yourself adrift? More times than I want to count. Go to Matthew Matthew 14. I'm going to get my reading glasses out here. Hold on. We all know this story, so please, please, please don't think, oh, I know what she's going to say. I know this. I know that. I know we know this, but we need to hear this again, okay? Matthew 14, 22. Thank you, Pastor. 
Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. <clears throat> Excuse me, still choking. When evening came, he was there alone. But, by the, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. <clears throat> now, we all know the whole point of this, that they were trying to get to the other side, and the waves, the wind and waves came up and... Um, Jesus comes out to them. Do you think he came out walking on the water just because the boat was far out and the winds were so bad and he didn't think he could catch up? I'll just walk out there. <laughs> what do you think he went out there for? Or he knew they were afraid and he was coming to their rescue? Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. That sounds more like him, doesn't it? Anyway, so he comes out to them walking on the water. They're just trying to get to the other side, caught in this storm. And um, they're so impressed. Peter's like, wow, cool. Tell me to come and I'll come. And so he says, okay, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water to him, but he's doing the impossible. You know, this, this isn't, this isn't something a man can do. And yet Jesus told him he could. And so he did. And so he takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink. And one of the things I think I want us to really get from this isn't so much that you get your eyes off Jesus and begin to sink. We all know that's real. And what, what Peter saw in his circumstances obviously filled him with fear as it would any of us, right? And we all know clearly Fear is designed to move us out of faith, <laughs> and um, faith enables us to do the impossible, because if Jesus said it, we're going to do it. Well, that's faith, isn't it? Y'all with me? But Peter lost his focus, and we can all identify with that, but the one thing that I think we don't really maintain and keep in our hearts from this passage is that even though Peter took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus never took his eyes off of Peter. We tend to make it about what we do or don't do. And really, it's just about what Jesus is always doing. He's always there. He's always got his hand out. He's always ready, expecting you to step back out of the distraction, back into his plan. I love that about him. There's no shame. He's not shaming you. He said, why'd you do that? That's not shame. That's like, just keep your eyes on me, buddy. I'm right here. Right? 
I love that. So when we get distracted, really, if we just simply refocus, make Jesus and his word the center of our world, our attention again, Jesus has never lost focus on us, so we can step right back in. We may lose a little bit of time, but here's the cool thing. He redeems the time. But wouldn't you rather walk in just real time rather than redeemed time? <laughs> so just stay focused. Are you guys with me? Okay. What time is it? Are we good? It's noon. I'm going to hurry. Um, did you guys read what I wrote in the booklet? Not yet? Okay, well, I'm going to read it to you then. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the 2018 FCF International Leadership Summit. Yes, I did. I wrote that. Okay, this event will have an emphasis on spirit-led leadership. Jesus operated his ministry with precision and laser focus. When he was being sought after by the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, he completely ignored her until his disciples asked him to do something about her. He was focused on his assignment, fulfilling God's covenant to the Jews. And when he did speak with her, it was to inform her or remind her of his purpose. <clears throat> he didn't respond or react to her need, but her great humility and persistence, her great faith, caused him to respond. There's much to learn from this passage of scripture, but what I like here for our purposes is Jesus' laser focus. It's so easy in ministry to pull, be pulled in many directions. Needs are great. People are hurting. Our love and compassion are ignited. But as his body, we all must do our part. And be your, being laser focused requires us to be led by the spirit of God. Anything we start in life often begins with excitement and anticipation. But as we move forward, we will eventually find ourselves in what is commonly referred to as the messy middle. Too often the messy middle can cause us to doubt if we will finish. And it's in this place, in the messy middle, that we must do two things. Number one, know our why. Understanding our purpose aids our intensity of focus. And number two, connect with people who get us and our purpose. Research has proven that intentional relationships help us to be better than we could have ever been on our own. Isn't that awesome? At FCF, we believe no one should do ministry alone. This leadership summit is just one way that we pastor pastors and equip leaders. And over these two days, you'll be inspired, challenged, encouraged, and empowered to be the leader God has ordained you to be. And I'm believing that you will leave here with a greater depth of assurance of your purpose. I'm also believing you'll leave here understanding and value, valuing your relationships with the men and women of FCF International. And I'm especially believing that you will leave here with greater sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit as you focus on your purpose and are buoyed by the love and support of the FCF International family. I wrote this because <clears throat> I had such an awareness of what the Spirit of God wanted to do in these summits this year and the need for our focus and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in the seasons of ministry that are ahead of us. Leadership is hard all on its own anyway because, well, everybody knows what's required of you as a leader, and it's no small thing. 
And then you add on top of that the attacks and the distractions of the enemy. If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, you will drift. You will go down places you had no business being. And all in the name of love and value of God and his people. But you had no business being there. And so distractions are a big tool of the enemy to keep us off of our purpose. And so when I read about this from the Syrophoenician woman, you know, at first when I first read it, I was kind of a little bit offended that Jesus was so like, not even talking to you. You know, it was like, I am not here for you. I'm here for the Jews. Don't take me off course. And he wouldn't even talk to her. He's like, you guys go talk to her, you know? And look, I get that. I mean, there's moments, there's people that are pulling on me that other people really need to be dealing with them, not me. You know, there's, there's moments when you guys are going to want to talk to me and I'm going to send you to Ernie. <laughs> not because I don't want to help you, but because that's his position. That's what he's here for. That is his purpose. And so for you to come to me, you're coming out of order. So if you want the help you need, if you need to get what you need, you need to understand purpose. And so you'll be distracted by me not helping you and really getting the help you need from the one God ordained to help you. Those are distractions. Those are the things the enemy uses to keep us from staying the course. So the other thing I was struck by was that he was not moved by her need. Anybody who is in ministry, we are so moved by needs, aren't we? I mean, we care about people. We care about their lives. We want them to live the best life they can, right? And so it's so easy to be moved by the needs that people experience on a daily basis. But Jesus set the example not to be moved by needs. He responded to faith. That's what he responded to. I love that. Also, precedent setting, what he did there. He responded to faith. And the other thing I think about this is that, you know, the world gets this in business. They focus on what they are producing, whether, whether it's a product or a business or whatever it is. Their focus is on what they're producing, and then they figure out who is the group of people that will respond to this product, and that's who they go after. They don't try to make their product fit everybody. They just reach for the people that need that product. You know, every local church has a purpose. It has a definition, and it has a reason for being. And every local church is not going to reach everybody in their community. And you have to stay focused on what you're called to do in your community. And if you try to be everything to everybody, you will fail. Because that's not how God made us. If we know what our demographic is, who God has called us to in our communities, and we stay true and focused upon that, and not allow the distractions of anything else. And here's the thing, comparison is so easy to fall into. You see all these churches doing all these things, and they're so wonderful, and you think it's so great, and you want to mimic it because they're having results, and you think you want those same results, and you are being distracted. 
I remember something Pastor Lonnie said. He said, God doesn't measure success by numbers. God measures success by obedience. Obedience. If you're being obedient to what God's called you to do, there, you have no business comparing anything to anybody else. You start in comparison, you've just walked into the trap of distracting, being distracted. You guys with me? This is so different from what I've done at the other ones. Okay. All right. Thanks, honey. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love you, Fred Brothers. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I wrote this down, and I really like this statement, so I want to say it again. If you are trying to do something you're not called to do in your community, you actually are limiting your influence. Because <clears throat> without focus or purpose, you're just sailing along. So when we set ourselves in posi position to remain true to our purpose and focus, inevitably there are seasons of destruction. <laughs> no hallelujahs on that one. <sighs> and here's the cool part, or okay, not so cool. Here's the real part of that. And it happens all the time. It, it doesn't matter where the, whether you're in a season of destruction or a season of building or a season of planting. There's always going to be some form of chaos around you. I don't know where we got the idea that to be a Christian and to live by faith that everything's easy. What a lie the enemy sold us. That's so not true. What there is, is there's joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. What there is, is confidence and boldness in the purposes of God. That even in the midst of the chaos, creativity is happening for divine purposes. And that's why you don't get distracted. So, you guys know about the Jeremiah 110 principle. I've talked to you guys about that a few times if you've read or watched any of my um, videos we've sent to you. But... Um, I'm going to give you a little history over that, and that was the Lord gave that to um, us uh, just a, just last March. Just last March, he gave us that scripture, and it was because we'd been through this crazy season, this two-and-a-half-year season of just total and complete weirdness, stress, and I can't even begin to describe everything we went through um, we had to leave our home of 20 years, and I don't really think of myself as a real sentimental person, but uh, found out I kind of am. And so, you know, dealing with all of that, <clears throat> and then, um, you know, you know, turning our church over to Pastor John, while it was kind of hard because so much of your identity is wrapped up in what you do as a pastor, and so then you turn that over, and it's like, wait, who am I? I don't, I don't know how to live. Who's cookie without the church? You know, it was a tough one. And um, again, a season where my pastor stepped up and pastored us. He couldn't even begin to fathom what we were going through. And he stayed with us, held our hand, prayed with us, came to our house randomly, brought us books, uh, cried with us, laughed with us. Uh, he truly pastored us through that tough season. Uh, thank you, Pastor John. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> But even through all of that, um, in the midst of all of that, then, of course, now we're selling our house. Um, you don't have, uh, the salary you used to have. And so, you know, 
I can't even go into all the details. So much there. So when we're selling our house, then we're like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? So what do we do? I'm 55 years old. He's 65 years old. Let's move in with mommy. <laughs> mommy, can we live with you? Oh, yes. Come on over. Okay. Can we just fill your car garage up with all of our crap? <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. As well as a storage facility. So, because, you know, sentimental, I can't get rid of that. <gasps> I can't let that go. I didn't know I was like that. I hate that about myself. <clears throat> working on it, working on it. Okay, so now we've moved in with mom, and it's, you know, a challenge in and of itself. Um, just because we're used to doing our own thing our way and how we want it. Namely, my mother likes the temperature to be somewhere between 73 and 75, and I'm a, oh, she's saying no, no. 70 to 72. Hellfire, as far as I'm concerned. I just want it to be between 65 and 68. If I'm, if I'm comfortable, I will go to 69, but don't press it. So yeah, the temperature was an issue. And she, uh, we froze her out. She was so gracious. She'd be like, she'd walk to the door. Can I turn the temperature up a little bit? And I'm like, it's your house. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, the temperature was a fun issue. <clears throat> and then of course, um, we had some health struggles that hit us randomly. I got frozen shoulder, which I'd never even heard of at the time. And I thought, what is happening? I can't, I can't, I can't move my arm. What? I can't do this. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. I find out later that it's really common in women over 50. And I didn't know that. And so I, um, I'm in 24-7 pain. I'd never dealt with 24-7 pain in my life. And... Um, one of the most miserable times in my life. I averaged about two to four hours of sleep a night, and I had just been put in place as CEO. So, you know, you got to be on it. You got to be on board. You got to be sharp. And I, I'm not sleeping, and I'm in constant pain. So, yeah, that was fun. And um, I'm sleeping in a chair <laughs> at night because <laughs> I can't lay down because I can't take the pain. And, um, and I'm keeping him up. He's constantly getting up and laying hands on me, praying for me, and massaging my shoulder and trying to relieve some pain. So didn't help him in any way either. And so <clears throat> then we get ready to move. Um, we, Fred's mother, as he mentioned, was um, in her 97 when we moved in, or 96 when we moved in. And um, she... Uh, um, was living in our, <laughs> she was living in our home, our first home. She had moved in there after Fred's, uh, actually before he died, when we moved up to Canada to pastor, they moved into that house because it was right next door to Fred's brother. And so then after Fred's dad died, Fred's brother and wife sold their home and moved in with her. So then he contacted us and said, hey, you know, we've been retired now for three years. We'd really like to engage our retirement you guys want to come back into the house. So we had to buy them out. And so now we're back into a mortgage, which we really didn't want to be into. We were trying to save money to position ourselves not to have a mortgage. 
And so now here we are back in a mortgage and in a home with a woman who is Victorian to the hilt. Okay. There's red and gold and pink everywhere. There's not an inch of wall space. Oh, look, there's a four inch space. I could put a cupid right there. I mean, serious, and I am not a big tchotchke person at all, so I feel claustrophobic already. And then if I thought mom had to have the temperature warm, try being with a 97-year-old woman who's like this big. She's so petite and just skin and bones kind of a woman and so constantly cold, and I'm constantly sweating. Did I mention that I'm over 55? and everything that goes with it. Oh my God, I'm not only hot natured, have been my whole life. It's not just the being overweight. I'm just a naturally hot natured person. Then you add the extra weight. Now let's add menopause. Oh, seriously, y'all. So not only am I just constantly in a state of summer, now I actually have oven moments that happen. Somebody just cranked it to 500. <laughs> Started right here and worked its way down. And the women are laughing because they know. <clears throat> and men, you can't even fathom. <laughs> I really believe women are the stronger people. You may have the physical strength, but I double dog dare you to endure a hot flash or have a baby. We got the stuff, people. Yeah, Fred said God designed it that way. Because he knew you were weenies. <laughs> I'm great. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor, for reminding me. So we have all this fun stuff happening in our lives. And then in the ministry, I'm having to make decisions that I never considered having to make in my life. Life-changing decisions that affect other people's life and livelihood. No. No. You know, I just, I didn't like that part. That was tough. And then on top of it, Fred's mom get sick and so we're dealing with this process of all this and Fred mentioned this last night his family came against us like we were the spawn of Satan and I mean and particularly Fred and anybody that knows Fred ask anyone the kindest most loving man what can I do for you how can I serve you what do you need I mean he is just the most tender-hearted yeah, we're polar opposites. And <laughs> I could see them saying it about me. Um, I have to tell you this story. I think I might have told you this before, but I can't help but think of it because it's so real um, about me and my life. Um, when I first started working for Rosa, when I was, I don't know, I think I was in my early 30s, uh, Rosa was my mom and dad's personal assistant, for those of you that don't know. Rosa was f not even five foot tall, little Peruvian, and um, she was the boss of all bosses. Cookie, did you do this? Cookie, she, Peruvian too. Cookie, cookies. This is, that's why she called me, cookies. So constantly, constantly, did you do this? I gave you this list. Did you follow it? Have you completed it? And that was my job with Rosa. 
And I loved it because I loved Rosa. She was a hoot. Anyway, so the first family church conference I worked for her, we were setting up, and I'm running around doing her list. I'm carrying the list with me everywhere, running around, doing everything she's told me to do. I don't know where my shoes are. I don't know where my jacket is. I've left it somewhere in the hotel, running around doing all the stuff she wants me to do. And every time I see her, where are you on the list? Have you done this? Have, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Finally, 11 o'clock at night, I have one more thing left on the list. And she walks up to me and she goes, Cookie. And I go, Rosa, stop it. And she looked at me and I go, if you tell me one more time, if I've completed this list, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're making me so mad. She goes, Cookies. And I go, Rosa, I'm thinking the B word right now. <laughs> and Rosa goes, she pulls herself up to her full height and she goes, Cookie, you think I'm beautiful? <laughs> I just go, yes. <laughs> and go finish the thing on the list. <clears throat> oh, gosh, I miss her. She's in heaven. Think how much she's laughing now. When Rosa laughed really hard, she danced. First she would just laugh, and then she would go, her head would shake side to side and her feet would go, oh, gosh, I love that woman. Okay, sidetrack finished. Are y'all starving? Distraction over. I'm trying to find a place that I can move to. Uh, talking about the uh, Jeremiah 110's principle, let's look at that verse real quick, okay? Are y'all okay, really? You don't mind me taking this long? Would you tell me? <laughs> of course we would. Okay, Jeremiah 1, 10. Okay. Uh, See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And right before our strategic planning meeting is when, in March, is when uh, Fred's mom went into the hospital. And so he couldn't make it to the strategic planning meeting right away the first day. He was coming up later. But uh, I was talking to him. Uh, we had been praying and talking about the season that FCF was in and the stuff we were dealing with. And um, in going through all of that, we had prayed that morning before uh, we both left the house uh, talking about, you know, Lord, you knew this season was coming. You knew we were going to be in this. You knew we'd have to be facing and dealing with the things. So your answers are here. So we're trusting you, you to make these answers plain to us. So I get to strategic planning, and I think that, was that the first one you were at or the second one you were at? Second one Michael was at, first one Jen was at. And, um, and so our general strategic planning team is uh, Pastor Fred, myself, Pastor Ernie, Pastor John, Pastor Sello, Whitney, uh, of course me, and then Michael and Jen when their schedules allow it. And, um, and then uh, recently we've been having uh, pa Pastor Lonnie back in for a few things because of some of the things we've been addressing. So anyway, um, so we get there and we're talking and I get this text from Fred and this is what he says. I heard this verse rise up in me, Jeremiah 110. Read that. 
Then, as I thought of that verse and didn't remember it verbatim, this is what I heard. In a time of transition and change, there is so much in this verse of root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. If one doesn't do this, what is planned to build and plant can't come forth. Hear this, because in a season of change and transition, if what has been is not killed, it will always come back. And in this verse, there's twice as much about destroying what was so that it cannot compete with what must be. This is likened to the seed, the sower, and the other things that choke off the fruitfulness of the new seed. Go back and reread the dream from the FCF pastor in Germany. He was or is saying the same thing. Places hidden, overlooked, of things and activity of the past that must be dealt with. You want to plant and to build? God has designed you to dismantle what was. You were created for such a task. Once that has happened, then what is to be built and planted will come forth fast. What took 10 years will be accelerated into five or even beyond that. This new has been ordered, has arrived, but, but, but must be placed in fresh soil without interference interference for it to burst forth. Now, the he's talking about uh, Randy Laux in Germany. He sent me a two-part dream, and I don't have a close relationship with Randy. We talk on the phone two or three times a year now since I've been in this position, you know, being an FCF minister and a rep for us in Europe. And so, um, so he doesn't know everything that I've been dealing with, but he had this dream, and it had to do with walking away from some of the old things that were of value and wonderful in their day, but were, for not, for, but were not for the future of FCF. And, um, and so it was a really phenomenal dream. So <clears throat> I don't want you to think that this is saying that we are totally not going to be anything like we used to be. That's not what this was about. This was about methods and means and old ways of thinking that were stuck within the whole of the organization and saying that's not what's going to take us into what God wants for us in the future. That's all this is about. So don't get freaked out and go, she's changing everything. Okay. (laughs) You can say that if you want, but I'm not going to be distracted. And I don't mean that rude. I'm just saying we know what God's telling us to do and we're going to be obedient to it. And we're committed to it. And none of this was done in any kind of malicious heart or behavior. We are word of faith. We will never not be word of faith. We are Holy Spirit driven, led, inspired, tongue talking, gift promoting and expecting organization. We're never not going to be that. that. That's who we are. And we are all about relationships. We are never not going to be that. So don't think who our foundation is, the root of us is going to change. That is not going to change. Just how we've done some of what we've done in the past will change. And we've already started changing some of that. Like I told you, I had to come in and make all these changes in the organization, some tough decisions that had to be made. And then, of course, remember, you know, how would you like to be me and tell your mother, you know, the dream that you had forever and ever? Yeah, I can't do that. HCU. That wasn't pleasant. Talk about a gracious woman of God who said, God put you here. You got to do what God's telling you to do. You do it. Thank God for her support. (laughs) But I tell you, it wasn't an easy decision to make. And it cost us some money to do it. But it was going to cost us more to keep going down that road that God didn't call us to in this season. Just saying. 
Then dealing with staff issues, putting the right people in the right place for the right time at the right season, that wasn't easy. That was really hard. You know, uh, Jeff Smith is one of the examples, and I've said this in front of Jeff, so I'm not talking behind his back. You know, God brought Jeff Smith to us for a divine purpose and a divine reason, and I'm grateful. I couldn't have made some of the decisions I had to made, make if Jeff hadn't been there to support it and encourage it, and I'm grateful for that. But it got to the point where I was relying on Jeff and not on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So that was the reason the Lord had to remove Jeff from the staff. It wasn't about him. It was about me. And what God called me to do, I was being distracted by the ease of somebody else dealing with stuff that I was supposed to be dealing with. And then the building. That was a fun one. The building is that we were in, many of you have seen it, was a beautiful building. And it was a real blessing to us, and we were really grateful for it. And we actually had some income from that building. We had closed off one side of it, and we had rented it out, so there was income. Our mortgage was... Almost nothing because of that. But the reality was, where we were at financially, it made more sense for us to sell it and get into a building with a smaller mortgage. We actually have almost the same amount of square footage in the building that we've just moved into that we're building out. But because it's in such a different location, because location is everything, um, it's... Uh, about a third of the cost of the other building. That's huge. And here's the cool thing about it. It's on a whole acre. So I have all this space <clears throat> that once we have this building paid for, if we wanted to build a building that we could lease out and make some have income off of it, we can do that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so that's pretty exciting. But that was a tough decision to make to really weigh that. And I have this strategic planning team to thank for that. They're the ones that said, stop and examine this. There has to be a better way to do this. And in my mind, I couldn't see because, you know, we're utilizing the space. We have income coming off the space we're in. We're in an excellent location. This all looks really good. But then when I sat down with Diane and really looked at the numbers, duh, yeah, we can do this. This is so much better. I had been distracted by the ease with which I was operating in, of being in a building in a good location that had some income. So not all distractions are evil. They may be evil at their root, but they don't look that way. Doesn't that sound like Satan? Isn't that kind of how he is? It all looks good and pretty, but there's an evil purpose behind it. Are y'all still here? Okay, I haven't lost you. You haven't thought, I hear tacos calling my name. You haven't done that? Yeah, some of you are. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, I am hearing tacos call my name. Okay, Jen Trengale said this, and I love this. She said, seasons of creative destruction are trying and difficult. And there will be moments when it seems like all you can see, that, like you can't see beyond the chaos. Isn't that a good statement? The chaos is so great. But if we can keep our focus on the fact that it's creative destruction, in other words, it's divine purpose that's happening within the chaos and destructive moment, that if we can keep our focus on purpose, we can get through the chaos. Okay? And then I won't go into this, but there's this really cool thing that she talks about, and I think you get into it in, in the calling too about the false peace. If, if you haven't got the calling book yet, get that. 
and she gets into that. I heard this from a message that she did at uh, the beginning of the year, I think, and um, <clears throat> over in uh, a church she used to be a part of in, in her early days. And so she talked about false peace. And basically what it is is false peace is it means that you say you don't have peace about something, but really is it doesn't give your flesh peace. And <clears throat> it's your easy way to say, get out of doing something you really don't want to do. Yeah, I know, but I just don't have peace about that. Right? Somebody wants you to uh, do something for them and you really don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't have peace. <laughs> Sounds real spiritual. You know, I prayed about that. I don't have any peace. But all you're saying is, I don't want to. <laughs> In a really fake, humble way. <laughs> Right? And so, um, so anyway, I won't get into all of that. I highly recommend that you get uh, Jen's book, The Calling, because she goes into that. But she said this, if you're going to go into places and promises God has prepared for us and promised us, we often want to say to the enemy, you have to let go of my stuff. And the reality is we have to let go of our stuff and be willing to get uncomfortable with change. And so even holding on to stuff is a distraction. So we have to be sensitive to and led by the Spirit of God, and that's a key. That is a key in effective leadership. If you're not being sensitive to the Spirit of God, then you are being distracted. There's no in-between. Okay, I'm, I'm almost at the end, okay? Recently, uh, the, Pastor Marcus Tankard had this on his Facebook post, and I loved it. I wrote it down. Listen to this. Some of our mental opposition comes from the fact that we haven't brought ourselves into agreement with what God originally said to us. We've allowed suggestions to become detours and distractions to his plan. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but he did give you something. He gave you power to produce wealth, love that will never fail, and a sound and disciplined mind. Expect it. Redeem your mind from the distractions of other people's success and the delay of your own personal success and envy and confusion will stem on, not I'm sorry envy and confusion stem from not being focused but God has authored a sound disciplined mind for you Job 22 uh, 22 says agree with God and be at peace thereby good will come to you Isn't that great so, um, being in the season of creative destruction, the Jeremiah 110 principle, all the chaos and everything that happens, this is life, people. This is living in the earth. This is just what we face on a daily basis. But because we have some false expectation that we should be in this tranquil state of om at all times <laughs> is so ridiculous. And that is not what God said to us. What he told us was that if we can keep our focus on him, if we can be led by the spirit of God, be quick to hear and obey, then we can get through these seasons of distraction and chaos. And that's why the spirit of God has been saying the things he's been saying to us over these last two days about us hearing accurately the voice of the Lord. And what he has said to us and what he is saying to us and staying true to that, knowing who we are in Christ, hearing directly the things of the spirit by the spirit, staying in the word. Have you guys heard that song by Unspoken, Just Give Me Jesus? 
I love that song. Can I just read you some of the lyrics real quick? I, I, because I have a tendency to be distracted easily, the Lord constantly is reminding me, eyes on me, eyes on me, cookie, eyes on me, come on, cookie, eyes on me. And so I'm constantly having to readjust, refocus. And so I heard this song and it really spoke to me. I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. Um, I work so hard trying to open every door, search near and far, turning over every stone. I close my eyes. Instead, I find no rest, no rest for a restless heart. All I've been chasing, putting my faith in, let it fade, let it break into pieces. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. There's nothing I desire that can't be found in you. You're everything that I've ever needed. Just give me Jesus. Take all my pride, my dreams, my plans, the house I've built on troubled sand. If I gained the world, it would never be, it could never be enough. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. There's nothing I desire, nothing that can't be found in you. You're everything I've ever needed. Just give me Jesus. And there's more, but that just speaks to my heart so much. That's where distractions come in. We can get so focused on ministry. We can get so focused on people. We can get so focused on focus that we allow that to be the distraction of really everything, of maintaining focus. Being led by the Spirit of God starts with this tender, precious place of being with Jesus. That's what we need more than anything. Just give me Jesus. That's what I want more than anything, don't you? Okay, going to look at one more scripture. And we'll be done. We're going to go to Ephesians 5. Anybody that knows me knows this is one of my most favorite passages of scripture. Because God used it in some really challenging moments of my life. And helped me process through it. But listen to this. Starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, out of reverence for Christ. Here's what I love about that. There's a lot I love about it, but I won't go into all the detail right now. What I'm just going to say is surrounding yourself, submitting yourselves, faith-filled friends, family, um, <clears throat> other believers of like faith is so important. That's why we believe nobody should do ministry alone. We're the ones that are here to help you from getting off course. From, from, you know, your squirrel moments. We're the ones that are here to say to you, we got your back. Didn't you love what Pastor John said in the offering last night? We're the ones that are out there shaking the big stick at the things that are coming at you, right there with you. And uh, we don't want anything about the seasons that we're in, the reality of all the chaos that surrounds us at every moment of every day to be a distraction for fulfilling what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen.